When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainek, Damon Barr, the rum connoisseur. Hope everyone's all right. Happy Halloween. Let us pray for uh, football a week from today against Northwestern. A roller coaster of a week with Nebraska, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Tennessee, Chattanooga. And a lot of no's, a lot of national knifings in honor of Halloween, right? A little gore, never hurt nobody. And uh, a day of football and good weather that will not be played with Nebraska. We can dive into it, sift through the week. Join us this morning, 4663776-4663776-80-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt. And uh, that's my Twitter handle. Mark Cranach is at Mark Skurs. At Damon Barr with two R's, where you follow Damon. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Cranach, what could have been? What could have been today mm-hmm. as Wisconsin rolled in with maybe a, a Badger Cat situation at quarterback? But, brother, they were going to have a real small number next to their name. And it could have been a great day for Nebraska, but 2020 and the stupid pandemic had other ideas. Look, and like, I know we have Barry Alvarez coming up on the Rewind. I have not listened to that interview. You you talked to him when? Thursday? <laughs> I wish. Wednesday? Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning about 9.45. Ah, so we and, get we get into a lot of Nebraska, Wisconsin. His mood and tone was fantastic. You know why? That's because before twenty cases hit his campus. Ah, uh, okay. So it is pre-pandemic or pre-outbreak uh, interview with Barry. It is. Oh, my guys are practicing right now. Coach Christ is on the practice field right now. And uh, things are, things are good. Look, I, hmm. Did, I have me, a lot of let, let, Yeah, well, let's 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 start with Barry. Were you in the camp? Did it cross your mind about the whole topic of Wisconsin's just looking to duck Nebraska? I don't think they're trying to duck Nebraska in particular, but I think they did try to duck a game against anybody. With a Where they're down to their four-string quarterback and their head coach is in quarantine. That, and 
to some degree, you understand that. You're like, dude. I mean, they're just sitting there just like, okay, quarterback one, quarterback two, quarterback three, all out. Head coach out. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. But <laughs> I'm just sort of like, so? Whatever. You still got to – they had not crossed the threshold that the Big Ten had laid out for where the Big Ten would make the decision for you. Right? The Big, the Big Ten laid it out – Seven and a half percent of your population on a rolling out. I don't know. There's a lot of math going on. Right, five five percent or seven and a half percent. You're you're two five percent of your team. Seven and a half percent when you include the population, which is the coaches and the football training staff. staff and, right. Yeah, all that stuff. GAs, whatever. Um, but I I don't know how they calculate the thing. But regardless, they did not reach that threshold. And I think that surprises some people. Right. I think that especially nationally, I don't think that's really understood i i think i don't think they get that it's wisconsin opting not to play it's not this isn't forced wisconsin's making a conscious decision to not go play that doesn't sit right with me right i understand it i get it because you're sitting there you're like i don't want to play with my four string quarterback i don't want to play without my head coach well Sorry, Purdue, that's what the cards dealt you this week. Purdue did it. Go, go play ball. <laughs> I mean, where are you at? Okay, so let's let's put no, this in wait, Nebraska here, terms. Here's, so this here's, is, here's, where I, here's where I'm at. And there is, okay, listen, though. Scott Frost is out. You're down to Matt Masker. Do you still play? Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. You do. And, and let me say this. Uh, Purdue still played without Rondale Moore. And, and Jeff Brom last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many folks are out due to COVID or just other injury, but clearly Minnesota wants to grab their blankie and curl up in a ball in the corner after two weeks of football, especially with Maryland last night. You know, yeah, if, if, by the way, if somebody missed that, 45 to 44 in overtime. Overtime. And, and, and little Tua looked great. And Minnesota was up 17 points in the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, and you miss an extra point. So, and, and here's the thing, too, with, with Coach Alvarez. And, Mark, we've been doing this show for a long time. And as long as we've been doing this show, Barry's been coming on Wisconsin week. I mean, forever, right? Yeah. And there's this grumbling by some Nebraska fans towards Barry. Barry's kind of a, a, a godfather of the league. It's kind of an OG. And mm-hmm. he's, he's earned that, that weight to uh, kind of throw around. He's in charge of the scheduling committee. So he's the guy who I think had final say, and I didn't ask him this. I mean, we didn't get into schedules too specifically. But you want to talk about Nebraska's schedule? I mean, Barry's a, the head of the scheduling committee. <laughs> and yeah. then Barry's, Barry's also the guy that people would turn to and probably had a pretty glowing recommendation about Sean Eichhorst. Pro- right. Probably had a pretty glowing recommendation about Mike Riley. And Callahan and, and Cosgrove. Yeah, because those, <laughs> those guys were on Barry's staff in 94. Big time recommendation. Like he was all about all those folks. 
So and has he just worked out? <laughs> has he just been has he just been over for his alma mater, or <laughs> is he going Frank Underwood towards towards his uh, his old school that he loves, but he still wants to beat? I know. I mean, there's all you that. Wonder that there, there's all that math. Are there ulterior motives here? And I don't think I it's think, a get. I, I think they would have pulled out no matter who they were playing this week. Thank you. And that's that's where I really do. That's where I'm at. Period. I don't think that's right, though. That they, sh- you know they shouldn't. They, you don't think it's right that the school should have the autonomy to to make that call. Here's here's why. Here's why they did it. No. Here's why they did no, it Wednesday. It, hold on. Definitely not because the Big Ten has made it really clear that the individual institutions' wishes don't matter. The greater good, Mark. It's about the conference, right? You, no, Nebraska, you can't go play a football game as a football team playing football. No. Like, right? Like, they can't. Nebraska can't go play a freaking game, even though it wants to. It's a football team trying to play football. And they don't, they're like, no. Uh, the conference. Uh, the sanctity of the conference. Well, here's Wisconsin going rogue and deciding whether or not they want to play. Like, what? Wh- right? Why is that okay? Like, no, Wisconsin, shut up. You don't meet, meet the threshold. Sorry you're down to your four-string quarterback. Maybe you should have been better about, you know, well, maybe Graham Mertz and whoever shouldn't have gone to get that late-night shame burrito. I, or whatever they did to contract it. Well, and I don't know if it's so, you know, Wisconsin hasn't let us know where their ground zero was. The state is rampant with COVID cases. I'm not making excuses. I'm just laying out data. All right. And Wisconsin also, you know, we get into the point, too, of, of the Big Ten schedule and how it's eight games plus one. And they pushed things back to start the weekend of the 24th, not the 17th. If you start earlier, you can make this game up. Mm-hmm. That was not figured in. That was not part of the deal. And we you all had, knew that. And, and you had a number of teams that had to pause activity when the revote happened, okay, yep. to return to play. That's Michigan State. That's Wisconsin. Wisconsin has had to, to pause activity twice through this whole pandemic. So what's going on? Barry will get into what they do testing-wise. And that's every morning, six days a week, 6 to 7.30 a.m. So there's a gap one day in the week where you're not tested. What are guys doing away from the football facility. I think Wisconsin's a, a program that wants to play. I don't think they're out trying to to endanger, but it's it's just a, a little bit disconcerting that they keep running into problems, right? And I think Wisconsin, in their heart, said, you know what? This thing's going to go bad because clearly somebody probably played when they were positive Friday against Illinois, and we we didn't know. There was no positive test to trace back to this positive individual. So you got a, about a 
accuracy rate with these rapid tests. That isn't 100%. You do the uh, PRC test, which is what Chris tested positive for after testing negative with the rapid test. So the PRC test is a 24-hour deal that's, that's really accurate. So I think they pulled the plug sooner rather than later. And I looked at it as, all right, if you give Nebraska a heads up, give them a phone call Wednesday morning, it may not go Nebraska's way trying to get a replacement, but at least you had a turnaround time versus doing this Thursday or Friday having to pull the plug. I think Wisconsin said, oh, crap, uh, this thing's going to spread like wildfire. So they're they're around 18 or 20, I think, with – yeah, with, no, with, with, with with players. So I think the way I look at it is, okay, at least they gave us a heads up. They got to back out. So Nebraska can go pursue, hopefully, getting a fill-in. Because if you got Barry at a bar, he'd probably be all about trying to reschedule a game because they want to play. Same as Ohio State, same as Nebraska, same as Iowa, same as Penn State, same as Michigan. But you just have this core group of programs, some that are pretty – high-level academically, that really do care about football, and they're not shy about that being their front porch. Then you have some with councils and presidents and chancellors that they didn't want to do this anyway. The bar, the rim, is 15 feet high instead of 10 feet with this testing protocol set up compared to other leagues. And then you factor in the no-bye week that's been uh, thrown to the side with this eight games in eight weeks craziness that isn't going to happen you're going to lose more games so i think the way i've looked at it all week as people have gotten in line is at least wisconsin canceled early enough to allow nebraska to maybe check alternate options really good write-up by parker gabriel in the timeline of bill moose trying to get this thing pulled off and his communication with the commissioner where initially it wasn't shot down but when push came to shove to get a yes it was a no on Nebraska, and then that's when all the national a-holes got in line and decided to start, you know, this this narrative again about Nebraska being uh, unhappy and too loud and do something on the field. I mean, it's it's been a week, and Nebraska yeah. just still doesn't feel really a part of this league, and it, it's not Nebraska's fault. They're just trying to do – what they feel is right, and I agree with Nebraska's position where you want guys to play. Nebraska's done what they've needed to do on and off the field, COVID-wise. So uh, they should be able to to play. I mean, it, it would have been a glorified scrimmage today against the mocks. Don't care. At least you're not sitting around twiddling your thumbs waiting for Northwestern. Yeah. It, look, the, the thing that's in common with everything that Nebraska's tried to do you know, the red thread that goes through all of it is they're just tr- literally they're just trying to play the sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. That's it. You can say, well, this guy's why is he whining? Why is Nebraska getting in line? Why isn't this? Why? Because they want to play football. That's your answer. No matter what your criticism is, no matter what your rhetorical question is, the answer is <laughs> they're trying to play football because that's what they practice. And that's what they are is a football team. That's what that's it. There's nothing else to it. So when you hear people like Desmond Howard and Feinbaum, yeah, that guy honestly, a, who cares though? I, I kind of, there's so I take a little neck. issue with how some fans are so easily offended by it. 
as opposed to just looking at it for what it is. We're just like, thank you. Yeah, consider internet, the source. There, right? Yeah, there's a national source who doesn't. I mean, he he, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know. know. He doesn't know, and he's going to say stupid stuff because that's his job. His job is to say like outlandish things. So yesterday, he hit the I think the line that got people triggered from Feinbaum was embarrassment. Nebraska is an embarrassment. Or something like that. No, They're you're a nas- you're a national media member that has been a sportscaster of the year for decades. You have poll, you have sway, and it's the negative talk and negative painting of Nebraska. But for him to jump from bashing the league to bashing Nebraska is just flat out weak, and it's it's getting in line with other national people that that have no clue. And don't take the time to get educated. Got an update yeah. here from Uncle Andy, who's a medical genius. Brother-in-law is in the medical field. And just to clarify here, the PRC testing that, that Chris was positive for. And by the yeah. way, the same higher level of testing Nebraska mentioned in their release that Tennessee Chattanooga used Wednesday to have a team full and coaching staff full of negative results. The uh, PRC turnaround time is four to eight hours. So it's much longer than the 15-minute rapid test. But the testing that that Tennessee Chattanooga was using is much more accurate. It's not the rapid test. Uh, when patients come in to the hospital, uh, the, sus- the suspicion is the antigen test is negative, but the PRC, or I should say P- the uh, PCR test, kind of validates maybe some of your feelings or symptoms or that asymptomatic side of things. There's a fair number of false negatives with the antigen testing. So yeah. that's, that's the issue. The, the, the false negatives that, that hit Wisconsin when they did their testing. Hmm. Hmm. But did they got con? Hold on. So, so he, he's what he's saying is they basically they didn't know the truth until too late. Right. Until okay. until you do the yeah until you do the the PCR testing. That's yeah. kind of your money. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, so I don't to know. me that that, I, I just, that further just, that further kind of vindicates this duck out. I mean, it it is convenient. Absolutely, you don't have your head coach. You don't have your top quarterback. I get it. And you're you're gonna be. They wouldn't fun. have done that if it was a, the backup holder. No, it's 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 as much as who's gonna be out versus how many yeah. were gonna be out. You're right. They they wouldn't have done it if it was their third string offensive guard and their backup holder and third string punter. They're they're playing this weekend. No, they're so probably they, they're probably playing. They're probably playing against Purdue. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, it, it was a competition based decision. I, I just there's you cannot convince me otherwise. Here's the there's other, no way. Here's here's the other part of this too. You look at uh, Nebraska being painted as the uh, spoiled child, and I they're they're not, but that's how they're being painted. Jeff Brom asked the league when it was already ruled that if your coach is positive, he can have no contact. He asked for an exemption to be able to zoom in during the game. Uh, it's already been ruled that if you have a kid test twice and he's positive, i.e. Graham Mertz, you sit down for 21 days. 
Yep. Well, uh, Barry's already gone public with the fact that they need to re- you know to look at that because in uh, air quote new medical evidence where myocarditis isn't being tested nationally because there's been so few cases linked to it with positive cases. So they're trying to shave off that extra seven day due to the heart issue and just make it a normal 14 day quarantine recovery. So you have two other entities asking for change, just like Nebraska asked for change, with the exception of Nebraska's change being wanting a game. What an embarrassment. Get in line, Wisconsin. Oh, how dare they? How dare they question the mothership? I'll tell you what. I, I don't know if I have seen a conference kind of lose face so quickly. That's what happens as, as when you go Big from when you go from from uh, Godfather Jim to let's keep everybody happy, Kevin, it, dude, or make nobody I mean, happy, you, Kevin. Yeah, you look at their, I mean, the general reputation of the Big Ten. Of course, you had national pot shots from time to time about being a slow, stodgy conference or whatever, but this pandemic has revealed sort of how. Flimsy the whole thing is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's I mean, it's it's completely surfaced. What's probably been lurking under the surface for a long time. It's it's flimsy. It's built on a house of cards. Well, it is not nearly nearly as entrenched or as stable or as smart or intelligent as I think any of us thought it was. Think how long it takes to build something up. That's 30 years of Jim Delaney. And it's taken six months post Jim Delaney to go to hell. Has any, put it this way, has any conference or any sports league period taken as much of a hit as the Big Ten has? Everybody's dealing with the pandemic. NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, ACC, go on and on. Big Ten's, Uh, Big Ten's. uh, Everybody's, who's taking a, Leading the race. the biggest reputation hit, though? Well, Major League Baseball, the way it took them forever to negotiate, wasn't good. That wasn't but good. It, but it's been uh, not for. I think it's kind of been forgiven, but not forgotten. And there's always something new that creeps up in the Big Ten each week. It's so crazy. They're getting, they're getting compound interest easily. And it's supposedly the league that has legends and leaders. During a time like this is when you need well, the legend and really leaders are tired in North Carolina now. I know, but you need really good leadership. Right now, that's that's this is when you need it. Hmm. Not an easy job. I'm not saying that, but how has the Big Twelve been able to navigate it? And the ACC and the SEC, <laughs> they're, they're playing. And the NHL and the NFL, like every other sports league or institution, has been able to. Kind of handle business. Yes, everybody's taking a few black eyes, but that's that happens, right? Like it's a pandemic. It has been handled the absolute worst. The Big Ten has handled the pandemic worse than any sports league, any conference, anywhere. Period. <laughs> that's terrible. And what you have is Nebraska fighting against that. It's like, hey, hey, guy, hey, uh, whoa. <laughs> Nebraska's been calling them out the whole time. And it turns out Nebraska's been right. Right? 
They've been calling him out the whole time. It's like, wait, 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 wait. I think we should start earlier. Nebraska's should... not wavered on what they no. want to do or where they want to go. They want to play football. And yes. the Big Ten itself, since the, oh, God, there's lawsuits. Oh, God, there's stuff we don't want public. They have gone kicking and screaming back to the playing field. Period. And some of their institutions have been allowed to kick and scream as well. But I, I think it's it's a situation where let's just hope things get under control and you don't lose more games, period. Because I think Bill Moose, it's not, a, it's not the fact that Tennessee Chattanooga is this awesome opponent. It's A, getting your kids to play, letting your coaches coach. But B, Bill Moose knows about Main Street, and it's about the state and the city economy as much as anything. Yeah. And he's thinking about mom and pops that have been ravaged, bless their hearts. That's yeah, what like that's already. That's that's what today was also about. Was safely and ho- and healthily being able to enjoy a 60 degree day even though you can't go physically watch the game. Yeah, you could sit outside, sit at a patio. You you could spend money. Yeah. And home gate or head to the rail yard or do something and put money into the pockets of people that are trying to survive this pandemic. That's that's the that's the double middle finger about this. It isn't about kicking off or winning by 50 or even, you know, making that, that jump week one to week two, which would be nice for a football program trying to get back. So it's about oh, yeah. it's about it's about uh, the the folks of the great state of Nebraska, and that's also the part that these chancellors and presidents failed to get. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll sure as hell write a study on something, but it, it when it comes to actually physically getting it, they do not. No, it's and it's it's been bad. I I and I'm not one of these folks that says, "Ah, oh, leave the conference." I just think the logistics of that are crazy. I just don't know how you, you can do that you, you or where you would you go. You cannot do it. They are they are yeah. They are the ultimate sugar daddy, man. Yeah, I totally like it. Would that would be almost? Although an, <laughs> another year like this, I'm listening. Let's uh, right another another year let's like this. You, another year like this, you're going to have more people looking around, demanding it. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking some big dog institutions in the name of football will will check out or could or could start thinking that way. Either they get the change they want or they take their ball and leave. Because it's brutal. You know, I mean, it is really, really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And there's no other league and there's no other conference handling it as poorly as the Big Ten. Big Ten thinks they're special. And uh, they're worldly and smart, and that's 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 their con- that's their concern. It, it isn't about football and athletics. Uh, a rewind is up next. Barry Alvarez. This was pre-outbreak. Everyone was in a good mood. They were headed to Lincoln. The rewind is on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Nebraska-Wisconsin week, and Hall of Fame Husker and legendary athletic director and Hall of Fame coach at Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez, back with us. Coach, thanks for your time today, and I want to start off with just how good last Friday had to feel for you and in football in general. You're still smiling. Yeah, it was good to have Big Ten football back, and you feel like the the college football is complete now with the, with our back our, our lead back on the field and playing and um, even though there are no fans in the stands it was still good to see our athletes compete and coaches coaching what was that like for you going into Camp Randall without fans well as I told someone else uh, as they said to me last week uh, that'll be a new experience I said no it won't be a new experience I sit in my office every day and watch him practice so <laughs> It'll be just like watching the practice with different color uniforms. I bet. Coach, I wanted to, to ask you, and, and don't know where you can go or where you want to go with this, but when it comes to COVID and testing, there's been some reports by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about uh, the quarterback situation at Wisconsin. Can you comment or, or shed any more light on, on where things are at with your guys' depth chart? No, I, you know, I read Paul's comments today, and I'm really not a, at liberty to talk about any injuries with, with players, and certainly uh, wouldn't want to discuss that. Barry Alvarez with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. From a, from a protocol standpoint, Coach, um, you've got uh, these protocols released last month by the Big Ten, and you were a major part of, of getting football back for the Big Ten, and when you have an athlete test positive through point of contact daily testing, uh, that'll require a PCR test to confirm the first result. What, what's your guys' schedule like day to day? I mean, is there a set time testing goes on? I mean, where where are you at with that during yeah, the we week? Test every, we, we practice uh, early. In, we practice in the morning. Our guys are practicing right now. Uh, so they come in. First thing in the morning, I think from six to seven thirty, they walk in and test. It's it's really pretty smooth how how they test and how quickly they get through it. Um, I test and, and all my administrators that that are going to be at the game. Those will, like this week, those that would be traveling, we we will test twice. We'll test we'll test on Thursday and then again uh, Saturday morning at the site of the game. Um, and so the, the, they'll have the results, you know, that morning, you know, while they're practicing. So um, it, it's been pretty smooth. Our guys have really done a nice job of executing it, and our players really appreciate it. Coaches appreciate it because it's, you know, it, it, even the officials talk. You know, I got word back from the officials last week how they appreciated it and uh, how smooth an operation it was. In a unsmooth year, are, are you mesmerized by the advances in medicine, just the ability to, to do what you guys have been doing? The Big Ten in general, Nebraska does it as well. I mean, the, the, the planning's been high level and the execution's been really good as far as the health and safety. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable. It is, and, and the thing that's uh, amazing is as we started with this, as we started dealing with this last March, you know, every week there's a change. It seems like daily as we're trying to think this out. You know, initially I'm thinking, you know, with contact tracing, how can you have a, a sport like football? How could you even possibly think about playing it? And then when you get rapid result tests, 
then you can you can guarantee that you have a clean practice field and a, a clean uh, playing field uh, that, that pretty much eliminates your contact tracing. So uh, it, it seemed like for a while there, every day we or every week at least there were some changes in in uh, testing and 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 information on COVID. So uh, it's it's been more than interesting. Barry Alvarez, a few minutes with us. Hale Varsity Radio, Wisconsin, Nebraska week. And, of course, uh, legendary Husker and uh, Hall of Fame coach with the Badgers, athletic director for Wisconsin, joins us. Coach, uh, with with the practice set up, uh, you've talked to me, thankfully, for a lot of years, and you've always highlighted the uh, the necessity to, to develop guys, get great walk-ons, but have somebody ready to go. Uh, with that next man up mentality, when it comes to what what you did blueprint wise, and and then what Coach Chris does, how how do you feel about uh, guys that that may not be starters, but it feels like or it sounds like that with your program they get a number of starter reps or at least there's reps. How's that development phase look this year as as you go into 2020 in a really weird year due to COVID? I think it's probably a little little early to. To judge that I can judge the program over the years, mm-hmm. knowing that uh, you know we're going to have quality walk-ons. We're, they're going to be screened. They're going to be recruited walk-ons. Uh, players that we feel they might be an inch short, or you know, come from a program where they're not developed well enough, or have a lot of upside. Um, kids that really like to play football and want to be here. You know, those are guys that are going to get better and, and, and do what you want and be good program guys. So uh, that's that's what we built on. That you know, last week I had someone from Illinois asking me about all any transfers, and I said, well, we we don't have many transfers. You know, Russell Wilson was the most famous, but and maybe one of the few that we've taken over the years. That we're a developmental program. We're a program that's going to bring guys in. They may not. You know, we, we'll get a few four stars, maybe maybe no five stars, but we're going to take guys and we're going to develop them. And when they leave here, many of them are good enough to move. You know, we got enough success, and then many have been good enough to move into the NFL. So that's that's how we've built the program. I think we know our identity, and we know, uh, you know, who we are and the type of player we have to recruit and how we have to develop them. Barry Alvarez with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Have you seen uh, a shift in in football with that that development phase? Is it is it a harder sell to kids in 2020 that you're really talented, son, but it isn't going to happen tomorrow for you? It's going to take some time. Is that a tougher conversation or not necessarily? What do you think? Not necessarily. I think you have to be honest. You have to be honest with athletes and uh, uh, and then you don't have problems when they get. You can't make promises, mm-hmm. you know. As I've told, uh, you know, a number of people and, and, and parents in particular, and uh, you know, we, we never promise anybody that they're going to start or they're going to, you know, go to the NFL or anything else. We just promise them we're going to support them when they're when they, while they're here, both on the field and in the classroom, uh, socially. We're we're going to be there for their support. We're going to look after them. We're going to care about them. Uh, we never make any promises about playing time or anything like that. Coach, what are what are your takeaways from from Friday, uh, game one, and that jump from game one to game two is 
uh, you guys head into Lincoln on Saturday. What, what were you pleased with from, from the football team against Illinois? You know, watching uh, games uh, this year, you know, with the type of year it had, it looked like there, there was a lot of sloppy play in the first game. And I'm not talking about the Big Ten in particular. I'm talking about the other leagues that started. I saw a lot of penalties. Um, you can tell a lot of schools didn't have spring practice. Uh, things were disrupted. Um, but I, I thought uh, I was really pleased with the way our guys played. I thought it was, it was a clean game. Uh, I think we had one turnover, very few penalties, um, you know, and, and not a lot of breakdowns. So I, 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 was, I was really impressed with uh, how our guys played compared to, you know, some other schools who had, maybe, you know, with, without spring practice and all that. When, when we look at Mertz, the quarterback, uh, what a debut for him. Uh, amazing efficiency, the five touchdown passes, and uh, he's a, a younger player, and, and he got thrust forward uh, because of, of injury, and he stepped up. And Are you, are you um, surprised that he looked as good as early as he did, or is that just kind of a goes to complement the development side again back to your football program? Graham was highly recruited coming in. I think uh, uh, Paul and all the coaches were very confident in him. You know, Jack Cohn has been a two-year starter and won a lot of games here. Um, I think you, you know, so uh, when when he was injured, I think Paul all along was planning on on playing Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the players had confidence in him. Uh, I, th- I thought he showed a lot of poise and in, in how he handled the team. Uh, really played with you know with with confidence, great accuracy. Got the ball down the field well. Uh, it, was, it was a tremendous performance for a first game. I, I didn't you know I watched him in practice. It's hard to, to judge in practice, but I, I, I knew Paul felt very confident in him uh, going into the starting game. Coach, how how physical are the Wisconsin practices? The reason I ask that is there was a point of emphasis by Coach Frost in Nebraska to, to really get after it and emphasize physicality just because of how brutal the Big Ten is. You've got a, a different era of football with there, there's less contact, more safety precautions, but you still got to be able to tackle and hit and be physical. How do you guys go about that? You just have to be careful with that. You know, you have to be smart in how many – uh, you know, when, when I was coaching, I'd go 20 minutes every day, three, at least three days a week mm. with an inside drill. And, and my coaches had to back that off. That's what I was always accustomed to, go, back it off to where we go. An inside drill is basically live for both offense and defensive mm. lines. Uh, you're not tackling the backs, but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, chesting up with them and button off. Uh, but that, that's it can get pretty physical. Um, I, I would say... Uh, we're relatively physical. That's you know, if you want to run the ball, um, you want to play good defense. I think you have to you, know, you have to do some practicing that is physical. What what's your takeaways from Nebraska Ohio State? Have you had a chance to to watch a little bit of it? Did you see uh, Saturday's game? Yeah, I, I I saw most of the game. I was impressed. I thought they were much improved, but their defense really was physical. Uh, you know, Martinez really creates a lot of problems and. Um, you know your your two quarterback system. Uh, both of them are, are, are very, you know, they're they're productive and dangerous. Uh, I was impressed. I think they're a, a vastly improved team, and 
uh, and a good team. Coach, you, you're a longtime defensive coordinator. <laughs> you were, were awesome at it before the, the head job at Wisconsin, Iowa, and, of course, Notre Dame. Did you uh, do you remember an instance where you had to prepare for, for a two-quarterback setup? And if so, how'd you go about it? Well, you just have to know the strengths of, uh, of each quarterback. You know, you still have to have, have a you – know, you can't game plan every play. And, and, and a play, you know, a, a, a call isn't going to stop somebody. You know, your defense has to be sound in, in what you're doing, but you have, certainly have to be aware of the strengths uh, of, of the, the personnel in the game and uh, what they like to do with those personnel and just make sure that you're, you know, the players, uh, and, you know, you have to anticipate. I say think like a shortstop. Anticipate what somebody's going to do. You know, know you're down in distance, what the tendencies are, and then play from there. Barry Alvarez with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, a thought here on the lines of scrimmage in the Big Ten, and I'm interested uh, with with your philosophy here when it comes to, to guys ready. Did you play a lot of young guys or – uh, with the program, is it more of a by year three guys are ready? And I ask that because Coach Frost spent some time yesterday talking about not having to rely on young guys. What? Uh, how did you want to go about that on the lines of scrimmage? I wanted to play the best guys. Okay, so you weren't. It wasn't necessarily an age thing, regardless of what class they're in. Okay, sometimes you have a a young player that's a better player. Um, you know, I, I think in this league, you know, maturity helps you. You know, I can remember back when Joe Paterno, Penn State, came into the league. Uh, it, we played in their first game. Uh, it was a, his first game, I think, in the Big Ten. Uh, Ron Dane was just a freshman then. Mm. But we, we had a big, you know, typical big big offensive line. and uh, it, it was a heck of a game. They ended up beating us by, I think it was like a 34-31 game. Mm-hmm. A very physical game. A good game. He called me that, that next week and said, Barry, we're we're not going to be able to practice this week, and you know we we're so beat up. I'm going to have to change up the type of player I recruit. We're you know they 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 recruited a, a, their their emphasis was on speed. Now he said we've got to get bigger guys to hold up in this league, and I think you have to understand how to play in this league. You know if you play you know some physical teams back to back to back, you play in Iowa, you know uh, Ohio State, us Nebraska. You're, you, you know, it's it's physical. You're going to be beat up, and you, you have to understand how to practice. And you, you better recruit uh, athletes that 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 can hold up. And that that goes to the maturity that you're talking about, and Coach Frost is talking about. Coach, uh, you did a, an amazing job with the presentation to uh, to revisit uh, Big Ten play and. What was that like for you? You were part of of the 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 process to to kind of make another pitch to council to the council and presidents and chancellors earlier this year, and uh, your message got home along with the, the medical experts. And was that stressful for you? Was that something that you, you relished the opportunity to do? Can you take us back to to that moment? Yeah. Well, I, I really look for I looked forward because I wanted to do everything I could to to get football back, particularly when I felt that uh, that it was safe for the athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dr. Borchers from Ohio State probably had more to do uh, with the, our return or return to college or Big Ten football than anyone. 
he, he really did a nice job in in coming up with guidelines and procedures and and leading that uh, the medical group. Um, you know, my my part of it was was the scheduling part, um, and, and you know it, it's stressful. You're dealing with. Uh, I had a other athletic directors. Bill was on the committee. You had coaches on the committee, and uh, we came up with uh, different plans. Uh, I think we, we presented four different schedules, and we had to work with with TV. Uh, we had to take a look at different time you know time slots. The one thing that the coaches wanted was to make sure that uh, the one thing they wanted was to be normal next year so that meant they didn't want to play in the spring because you have to give your athletes enough time to recover to go into next year if, if you want it back to normal so you know you move your schedule back you try to figure out different uh, schedule uh, scenarios you, you present it to we, we work mainly with Fox mm-hmm. uh, they have our TV rights the majority of them uh, work some with ESPN uh, about you know different timetables and and uh, what worked best and and uh, we presented four to the presidents and chancellors and uh, this is the one that along with the when our medical people uh, committee presented to them and had all their questions answered that was the number one thing and then uh, this is the schedule that they they felt would work the best. What's the ideal? Well, it, was, it was stressful. Yeah. It's a lot of work, and you have a, a number of, uh, you know, you have a lot. It, it's you, you have everyone's you know, concerned about their own situation. Yeah. So to get everyone on the same page to come out with one result sometimes is difficult. Well, not everyone's going to be happy, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Coach, uh, last uh, what type of what type of, of, of grandpa are you uh, in, in the in the press box cheering for your grandson? <laughs> I told somebody the other day for for the last two years that we think he's open on every play. <laughs> <laughs> Between my daughter and myself, we think he's open. Throw it to him, you know. Um, no, I'm pretty good. You know, I uh, I love to watch. This is about my uh, ninth year in the row. My grandson Joe played. Here five years mm-hmm. before Jake came in, they played one year together. Uh, to sit up in the box and and watch a grandson play is pretty special. Well, yeah, I can hear you saying he's open. Did you? Uh, did he always love tight end, or did did he do linebacker, or is it just his athleticism? Um, you know what I think. Um, I know somebody was recruiting him as an outside line. He's played linebacker, and he's played wide receiver. He's played tight end. He's played quarterback early on I mean, he's he's a pretty good athlete he's a three sport athlete um, and he, he, he really you know the thing that's fun for me he loves playing yeah and he loves his you know his teammates uh, you know you, you want to coach him Barry Alvarez with us coach we'll see you Saturday thanks so much for your time you bet good visiting with you the Hale Varsity Radio Saturday morning show presented by the Nebraska Lottery Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. 
Back with you, Tower 2 Weekend Edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Bars producing. Find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Mark Skurs, at Damon Barr with two R's. Gary Sharp's on the way. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter and get his book with John Cook. Dream like a champion. Well, Vogues, it was supposed to be a, a, a big day for Nebraska and highly ranked Wisconsin. It was not to be. You were going to catch a, a, a ride, John Candy style in Home Alone, or maybe uh, Kevin's mother, Home Alone style, uh, from Tennessee Chattanooga, brother, to, to find your way to Lincoln. But the Big Ten shot that down. Give me a word to describe this week. He does not hear us. Yes, I got you now. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, that's fine. You were you were thinking or you were just ready to hang up, one of the two. Nice to speak <laughs> with you this morning, bud. Well, yeah, you know, I was thinking about the the potential to make that drive in the back of the U Haul with a poker band. <laughs> kind of into it. <laughs> Let's play a beer themed song yet again. Uh Vogues, give me a word to describe the week. Sad. I mean, I think yeah. that's that's kind of it. And you know, we we all understand. Or I, I I think we mostly understand, even if it may or may not disagree with it. But understand why Wisconsin made the call it did. Um, but you just knew, you know, coming into this that it was a very narrow narrow path you kind of had to be pretty perfect to to get all these games in and uh for nebraska to to lose its second one right out of the gate i definitely didn't see that coming even though i i i didn't assume that every team in the big 10 was probably going to be able to play all eight i think yeah i think you said it brandon that's i understand why wisconsin opted out i don't agree with it i think they did it i think they made that decision based on uh, it was a competition based decision and i say that because do you think they opt out if it's their third string long snapper and their fourth string punter and a third string offensive guard out probably you think they make the same decision i think so if they're getting up to you know 16 positives will be Last one we had. Now, not all of those are players. Um, in fact, last I saw, I don't, I didn't see if Wisconsin put out an update yesterday. Uh, but Thursday, you know, it was majority staff members, and you know, I, 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 I think so. Like, you're looking at. I think if you're Wisconsin, you got to look at your ability to to play the as many games as you can. Like, and and the next one happened to be against Nebraska. Uh, happened to be against the, t- the, the school that's been the most vocal um, about having this opportunity to play these games. You have Barry Alvarez and, and Nebraska Link. So it was unfortunate on a lot of those fronts, but I, I think it was just the, the case number. I mean, sure. Maybe, maybe if you're, if it's limited to special teams, you had, you had a, an outbreak in that room, um, maybe it's a little bit different, but I, I just I don't think it was who was out. I think it was the fact that they were dealing with positive cases. 
Brandon Vogels with us, Hale Varsity uh, Radio, is, is weekend edition here. So, Vogues, you know, the the way I kind of read this thing with, with the Wisconsin situation, as I look at the timeline, you had uh, a couple of players test positive with antigen tests after their win last Friday night. And I think you, you had the athletic department react like, oh, no. And then I think you had the, the chancellor, or I should say the president, President Blank, kind of say, where's this going to go? So I think you had folks that oversee the athletic department in that chain of command step in. And I want to go to that dynamic here with the Big Ten big picture as a whole, specifically because of just some of the narrative this week uh, by talking heads, by columnists, and this, again, negative light by some towards Nebraska. There's been a lot of folks that have agreed with Nebraska trying to find a fill-in game, specifically Ryan Day and Ohio State, but... Brandon, it still feels like that there's just this continued disconnect. And is this just, uh, is this a major pothole or is it just more of an orange parking cone that's uh, obscuring uh, travel forward? How would you, how would you kind of rate this this week about relationships with Nebraska and the league? I think there's probably been some strain there um, at times that that kind of existed prior to 2020. And then with the way 2020 has unfolded, uh, you know, (laughs) you you have these these things that maybe annoy you. And then all of a sudden you're, you can't go anywhere. You're locked at home. You can't do the things you want to do. You're nothing is normal. Um, and, And those, those minor things can start to feel a little bit, more major. Uh, and I think that's what's happened at Nebraska. Uh, it's happened with the perception of Nebraska from outside the state, outside the program. I don't know. I, I think it would be, given the extraordinary circumstances of that, I think it would be a real shame if there were long-term lasting effects of the tension that exists right now. Like, I, if, if things can get back to... Uh, a normal football schedule, uh, you know, a more normal kind of rhythm and heartbeat to this, this whole thing of, of the, what the football season that people want in the future. I, I think some of the things that seem massive now, people won't forget them. Uh, that definitely won't be the case, but they won't feel quite as, as major as they do at the moment. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. We, we were talking in the, earlier in the 7 o'clock hour about is there, a, is there an organization or a conference on the national level that has handled this pandemic worse than the Big Ten? Like, is there Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, uh, NBA, SEC, ACC, Big 12? It just feels like it's egg on their face at every single turn. And you just don't hear that about the other league, Major League Baseball early on. But it, I don't know. And, and I guess it's sort of a rhetorical question because I kind of answered my own question there. Like, yes, they, they've handled it the worst. <laughs> but I guess the better question is, does it surprise you based on the, the, the reputation that the Big Ten has tried to, to, 
to build for itself, which is a very thoughtful, deliberate, sort of academic-based, um, right? Just sort of smarter than you kind of conference, <laughs> right? We are better and we are smarter than you. I mean, really, it's kind of it's kind of been that what they've built their reputation on, and then, I mean, just the irony here is absolutely staggering. Yeah, I, I I would agree. Like, other than maybe the start of Major League Baseball, it's it's hard to <laughs> to come up with a with a league where things have been more contentious um, around the return to play through through a pandemic. Although, although I do wonder, I guess, does Indiana feel that way right now? Like, or, or is that that sentiment itself heightened in Nebraska at the moment? Um, and, you know, if it happened at Ohio State, <laughs> I'm guessing Ohio State would feel that way. Though it, I, I do wonder if it's a little bit different if you're one of these founding members uh, of the league. So, so there's that. You know, <laughs> you mentioned the We're Smarter Than You conference. Uh, and I would agree. I think that's kind of the the Big Ten's brand. In in this instance, I think it, it it's why things have felt so disjointed. I, I do believe that the Big Ten kind of had additional levels of scrutiny to get through. And I'm I'm not talking about like mandated. I'm talking about just kind of naturally with with the school presidents, their their reputations. Uh, I mean, this is painting with a very broad brush, but the SEC uh, is a place that has, you know, its reputation is football first, uh, to use a generalization. And, you know, those are all fine schools, too. Um, but it's, it's just interesting that, um, you know, when you, you look at kind of dealing with the pandemic and the whole thing, you'd kind of prize the Big Ten side of things versus, or not, not even prize it, you can prize whatever you want. You'd expect the Big Ten side of things to perhaps work better, but so far, I mean, the SEC's had outbreaks and it's had postponements, um, but really not a lot of teeth gnashing. It, it hasn't had the angst, I guess, around what's happening there that the Big Ten has. Vogues, uh, a thought with uh, Nebraska: what Saturday could have represented, either against Wisconsin and then the other side of the spectrum against. Chattanooga. I mean, how important was it to play ball today, in your opinion? Um, I mean, I think it, it it's it's important to to get back on the field after you know after an opener, but also after a loss, just to to have that chance. And in Nebraska, I think the Ohio State score was the Ohio State score, but. You know, a lot of people on the outside saw it. I'm assuming the team felt it. There were some positives there, and they've moved the ball well against Wisconsin two years in a row. Now it's, they've still lost by, you know, basically 17 points twice in those games. But you're at home, which is different, but still better to be at home than on the road. I, I, I thought it was a really high leverage opportunity for Nebraska. I knew Wisconsin was going to be, you know, a full strength. Wisconsin was going to be a double digit favorite in that game, and that's about where it opened up. But I thought Nebraska matched up well. I thought it had a great chance. Um, I was really interested to see Wisconsin, too. We all know it. Grand City against Illinois. And it was good. I'm not taking anything away from it. But it felt like just a, maybe 4 or 5% inflated. So I wanted to see how Nebraska was going to defend him. Like, there, was just, there was just a lot there. The, the potential for a Chattanooga game, uh, to be honest, like 
didn't do a ton for me. Uh, I, I, I liked it from a player perspective, let those guys play. This is what they want to do. Um, so I liked it from that perspective. It was going to be hard to take much from that game. But here sitting on a Saturday, it sure would be nice to be able to watch a Nebraska football game. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, you know, it's interesting. We, you think back to last week and Nebraska-Ohio State, and you're totally right. Look, Nebraska's had its share of, you know, blowouts, um, have, has suffered quite a few blowouts. I have not seen the, a response to that blowout from a fan base like I saw against Ohio State. The unanimous kind of takeaway was, huh, actually, Nebraska acquitted themselves quite well, even though they lost by 30-plus. Um, what, why do you think that is? And, uh, you know, for maybe somebody that didn't watch the game, what, what gives you confidence, I guess, um, even though they lost by 30-plus, what, what did you take away that Nebraska did well that you think they can carry forward that you think says something about where the program is at? Yeah, I think um, so. probably the most notable, noticeable thing from that game is that here at the start of year three, this is still an offense that can move the ball on just about anyone. And, you know, it's, it's had some defenses that have limited it from time to time, but it's moved the ball really. Like, I, I know the 2019 game is just wiped from people's memories, but uh, moved the ball as well as anybody against a really good Ohio State defense last year. Uh, and, of course, did it in 2018 and then again in 2020. So that, that part's still there. I think that's kind of people look at that as the bedrock of what this new Nebraska is going to be uh, an up-tempo, explosive offense. So to see that again says, okay, stranger than strange offseason, that part's still there. Uh, I, I think a, a big part of it, too, was just holding up in the run game a little bit. Now, I mean, they didn't, they didn't dominate, dominate the Ohio State run game at all, but as one of the consistent problems for Nebraska as a member of the Big Ten, and, and the Big Ten is a run defense conference, you've got to be able to defend the run or you better be able to score just a ton of points on really good defenses to see them hold up and limit Ohio state a little bit there to see them hold up on the line, uh, on the defensive line. People were frustrated a little bit with, with, you know, how Nebraska played the pass, but I think that was by design. Uh, I think they were just trying to keep things in front and it worked for a while, but as you always see with Ohio state, like one little error, and it can be off to the races. You just don't have much margin for error. Brandon Vogel's with us. Hail Varsity, Don Common Magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogel's uh, want to shift out to uh, some football this weekend and last night. Uh, where are you at on Minnesota? I know they're 0-2, but bigger shock that Minnesota didn't bounce back? Or, wow, uh, to a junior in Loxley, that looked kind of fun last night with their <laughs> offense, and I'll take me a forty-five, forty-four overtime thriller. A lot of, lot of points, a lot of high-flying offense. Minnesota's offense looks pretty good too. The defense, not so much. But where are you at with Minnesota? Uh, is this uh, going to be a lost season for for Fleck, or was it more about what Maryland did to bounce back? How do you kind of assess that that result? Yeah. I, I think Minnesota will will be fine. Um, you know, it's already on two, uh, so so that's what that is. But it, it kind of looks like what they should look like coming off of last year. They returned a ton on offense. They had the basically entire offensive line. Ibrahim's a good back. Um, they're they're good at quarterback. They're good at receiver. They're going to move the ball and put up points. 
Um, they did that. Most of their, their question marks outside of the secondary were, were in the front seven of defense. Um, the sh- more shocking thing to me was, was Maryland, which just, you know, after that Northwestern game, I was like, the Terps aren't going to win a game this year. Uh, and then they come back and they play great. And, and not only play great, like jump out to this big lead. So you're like, okay, you got momentum. And then Minnesota just does what it wants on the ground. And you're like, ah, so that was that. So then to bounce back from, from 17 down, that was really impressive. I mean, that's a uh, Maryland Mike Loxley needed to win like that. So pretty, uh, pretty impressed with the Terps, I guess, more than worried about Minnesota. I think Minnesota is about where they should be. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, yeah, well, Minnesota 0-2 right now, uh, including the loss to Michigan, who, look, I, it's, I don't know why Michigan hasn't ended the year better. Like I, They confound me. The, the level that they've recruited at, the elite level of defense that they turn out um, year in, year out, do, do you th- is this potentially – a year for Michigan because maybe they're settled at quarterback now. Well, how do you how do you assess them? Could be. I mean, I think if they if they have uh, the quarterback to to run the type of system that Gaddis, you know, who was who just got there last year, they already had Shea Patterson, and, and it seemed like a fit. Uh, but I'm not sure they were able to do all the things they wanted to do. <clears throat> if if they they do, uh, particularly because he's such a good runner from, from the quarterback spot and they've got two pretty good running backs. Like Michigan plays. And I know, you know, this Mark, we've talked about it before, like play some of the best defense in the country year in and year out. It's like, if you could just have a consistent run game and, you know, hit some play action passes, uh, you'd be in pretty good shape. They might be able to do that now. I mean, I think Michigan had the second most players drafted last year behind LSU. Like they're just enormously talented and haven't been able to quite get there. Uh, wouldn't it be strange if in this strange year was was the, the one where Harbaugh finally said, okay, I found exactly what we need. Vogues, it is Halloween. More lasting uh, Nebraska memory burned into your mind when it comes to Halloween. Ricky Williams, the 47-game win streak ending, or... The beatdown of Cordell and uh, and and Coy Detmer, fifty-two to seven, ninety-two. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, uh, Ricky Williams for sure. That was actually so. I was a freshman in college then, and that was only the second Nebraska game I had been to in person. Um, so it was and, your fault. It, well, yes, it, it was. And the first Nebraska game I saw as a kid in nineteen eighty-seven was also a loss. So. Started out over two, so yeah, that, that Ricky Williams game was was yeah. I mean, think about that for all the games that I was born in nineteen seventy nine. All the games Nebraska won between nineteen seventy nine and nineteen ninety nine. I saw two of the losses in Lincoln. There were like maybe five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. We needed we need like temperature scanning and screening. Uh, to go back in time to keep you from going in those two days. So it was 87 had to be like Oklahoma, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the Oklahoma game. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yep, then Ricky Williams. And those two teams, Vogues, come on, Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> Kept it, maybe that's why I'm still a Big 12 sympathizer. No, I bet, I bet. But 
No, man. I remember the the ninety two game. I I did not get to go to that one. My cousin uh, Justin went to Texas, so he was up for the game. And uh, yeah, that that was a that was a Nebraska's defense played so so well that day. But twenty to sixteen, man, just heartbreak. Poor Crouch got stripped, and there you go. But yeah, I, I think uh, when I think of Halloween, I I hate trick or treating. Candy's overrated, and I think of football moments, and those are two that that always kind of stick with me: the good and then the the the, the terrible. So, were they gonna, yeah, they that, were going to wear that, the alt that, unis that, today okay. too, right? What's up, Mark? Were they were going to wear the alt uniforms today too, right? Nebraska. Nebraska was, yeah. Right? No, I don't. No, I don't believe so. No, because that. No. All right. That's the. I, would look, I mean, a, I would look for a Friday game for those. Would be my recommendation. Okay. Breaking I mean, news. Because you know, they, they come out with a Halloween themed video for it, and then they're playing on Halloween. Granted, it was a home. It was a presumably in a way white jersey depicted in the video. Huh. So, folks, you're telling you know, us that the alt uniforms are going against Iowa. I didn't. No, I didn't say that. Okay. You said a Friday game. Well, that's the only Friday game. You did say that. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, is it a, is it is it a trick or is it a treat? Well, who knows? Mm-hmm. What do but, you know, man? Yeah. Tell, what do you tell know? Us, tell us. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing in this year. No. I know right. nothing. All right. So, last thought here uh, from you. Uh, you are. Leaning where with Iowa or Northwestern today? Because that that game is super intriguing. Yes, it, it, it is super intriguing. I might lean Iowa, although seeing Maryland look competent last night uh, <laughs> only makes me only makes me more curious about that that Northwestern Maryland opener. I, Iowa played well enough to win against Purdue. It, it didn't. I think it'll bounce back. Um, but we'll see if, if Northwestern comes in here and, you know, wins by seven or 10, uh, comes in Iowa city. I mean, mm-hmm. Northwestern's going to be, Northwestern's going to be tough. I think they're going to be really good this year. What's Brad. happened to everybody here, by the way, do you, do you guys realize that you just talked about how Iowa and Northwestern is intriguing and exciting and our <laughs> colleague, Greg Smith tweeted earlier, when he woke up, I woke up excited for Iowa versus Northwestern. It's football, <laughs> bro. That's why. <laughs> that's that's that a is the most Greg. Yeah. Well, let's just call it like it is. Iowa starts what? out 0-2, and they're eliminated. Minnesota's eliminated. I get it. But it's the most Big Ten matchup there, there can be, right? Iowa Russ like, chimes in on email. He says, hell yes. He's fired up. <laughs> I mean, it's got eighteen to fifteen written all over it. I I, lo- I really like Ramsey as a quarterback, Vogues, and you get their defense. I mean, yeah, I think Northwestern could be uh, a lot of fun this year. It'll be even more fun to go into an empty Evanston next Saturday and see football. That'd be great. You've you've changed, bro. You've changed. I have. Brandon, have a good uh, good rest of your weekend and scare lots of kids. Will do. Thanks, guys. Take care. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. So, I'm watching that thing. Can't wait for it. It's some football, Cranach. I mean, it is, but it's just, you know, 
when you just isolate it. They hate each other. I am excited. They they Iowa. hate each other. Iowa hates Northwestern. Northwestern has been a thorn in, in Iowa's side from time to time. Even some bad or not seven, eight win Northwestern teams. So yeah. we'll see what type of bounce back there is. This is what we've been reduced to. Well, I just don't think you would have said that if it was Nebraska, Wisconsin. I don't think you would have. No, we wouldn't. Okay. We wouldn't spend no. any time on Iowa Northwestern. No. But here, but here, here we are. Uh-huh. Thank you. Damn it. COVID. Uh, Timeout. Yeah. Gary Sharp is on the way. The Iron Horse will join us. Hail Varsity Weekend continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with your weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. Thanks to Brandon Vogel. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, what a week, man! How you doing? Good, and it culminates with a full moon and Halloween. How about that? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I'm not a big Halloween guy. I was hoping for. Lots of sunshine and football today. Can still have football and still have sunshine, but just no Nebraska. And what a weird week with uh, with Wisconsin situation and then Tennessee Chattanooga. And I want to go uh, off the off the bat here to get your reaction to to the Big Ten's no uh, towards Nebraska with the scheduling. Well, first of all, I don't think Nebraska would have gone down the road. If they were told, and everybody was told initially, there was no wiggle room. Uh, I believe what the UTC athletic director was saying, that it had reached many levels of the Big Ten before the final vote happened, that there was the kibosh on it. Again, I don't blame Nebraska. And and Nebraska's not scheduling UT Chattanooga to make sure they get a game to get into the playoff. They want to play football. Um, You know, they've waited a long time. They have a lot of anxiety. They finally got one game, and then, you know, it's inevitable that games are going to be canceled. We're seeing that throughout uh, college football. Now, some get postponed, and you have some wiggle room, and you're able to move them, but not in the Big Ten. So I, I, I don't have a problem with Nebraska's position in trying to go find a game. I also understand why the Big Ten is the Big Ten, and they would say no to this out-of-the-box idea. But here's the thing that really I think people are missing the point, not us, but nationally. If you look at what Nebraska was trying to do, they were not only trying to help their football team play a game, but they were also trying to help the rest of the conference for the teams that have a legitimate shot of playing in the playoff if they lose a game, if they're able to reschedule a game. So I think it just kind of got sideways. And what I was frustrated about, and I went off on my show yesterday, Mm -hmm. when people say Nebraska's embarrassing themselves, guys, this is the same conversation we had back in August about Nebraska's relationship with the Big Ten and the way the Big Ten operates, and it's not just a Nebraska problem. Nebraska just happens to be the most vocal. Um, I think you're going to find out through this when we get through, Nebraska's going to have more friends on the other side that are not named just Ohio State. I think there's others that feel the same way as Nebraska. We'll see if it changes. I think this conference is kind of stuck into, hey, the Rose Bowl is the end-all, be-all. But then there are a handful of programs, Nebraska, Ohio State included, I think Michigan, Penn State as well, that say, you know what? There's something beyond the Rose Bowl. Let's go chase that as well. Just a frustrating week, but it's a week, guys, at the end of the day, that it was kind of inevitable, whether it be a game being canceled because of COVID or 
Nebraska being shut down by the Big Ten when they thought outside of the box and wanted to do something for the betterment of themselves and the conference. Yeah, it's fr- it's been frustrating to watch on a lot of different levels. Um, if you look at last week and the Ohio State performance, uh, it's weird, Gary. I, I know you've been doing post-game shows and pre-game shows for, for years, and um, you know whenever there's a, a 50-plus point spot put up on Nebraska – Usually doesn't go well. <laughs> the fans are pissed. They're crazy. Everybody needs to get fired. I've never seen fans sort of all in unison be like, huh, that 50 point, uh, even though they put up 50 and we lost by 30 plus, not so bad. What? Why do you think fans came away feeling okay about that 30 plus point loss? Mark, you are spot on. And I said this immediately on our postgame show. It was 14-14, and then all of a sudden a 38-3 run, and it ends up 52-17. Nebraska lost by five touchdowns in Columbus, and people feel better than the 41-point loss they had last year. And I can take it back to, you can see some improvement. Areas where you have identified that you've got to get better in, I think for a good 25 to 30 minutes of that game last Saturday, you could see Nebraska's made strides. But I'll tell you where the biggest one is, and this is where – Two years ago at Michigan, it hit home when Nebraska just got bludgeoned by Michigan. They got beat up by a Big Ten-sized team. I think when people saw that Nebraska was not getting crushed in the line of scrimmage, either on the offensive line or the defensive line, you're thinking, okay, finally we've gotten to that point. Now there's other things to clean up, and there's some things last Saturday, guys, that are not just a frost thing. I think it's in the DNA of the program, turnovers, penalties, uh, shoot yourself in the foot. You know, you have 10 drives, three of them are clean, they end up in points. Seven of them are dirty, and you don't get any points out of that. But it's just, it's, it's that weird, okay, I shouldn't feel good about a five-touchdown loss, but it shows you where the bar is. The bar right now is so low, but that means the bar can go up as the season goes along. I think there's enough stuff to work with out of last Saturday that you didn't get on the plane to come home and go, man, we're demoralized, and where do we go? I think you went, okay, there's some things we did. We can go from here. Sharpie, you nailed it, and let's dive in a little further to just the the luxury Nebraska has moving forward with that two-quarterback setup. Not only did it, it work well uh, when, it, when it came to the rushing attack, both Adrian ran well and, and Luke ran well, but also there, there needs to be more – threats offensively catching the football i get it but they weren't awful either of them were throwing throwing the ball they I mean they were pretty efficient they just didn't get downfield so that needs to be better but overall i mean as we look uh further into the schedule is there going to be an answer for big 10 defenses with with this quarterback system assuming nebraska cleans up the penalties and turnovers and stuff i mean this could be a real big problem for a lot of teams in the big 10 this one-two punch um, yes, but I'm going to go the other way, Schmitty. Right. I thought at times, first of all, you, the, whole, the whole goal is to score points. Right. It, it's not about, not about yards, ma'am. It's about points. Um, at times, it felt gimmicky. Now, I will say this. Nebraska's offensive game plan was really good in terms of the schematics of it. If you look at the different ways they designed to run the football, that's impressive. Even on the defensive side, if you look at the defensive uh, formations they had where they had sometimes two down linemen, sometimes they bring up a linebacker, put his hand in the – I mean, Nebraska schematically looked really, really good. It came down to the execution part. But with the two quarterbacks, yes, there was success. 
I thought it was a very safe passing game, knowing that you were limited with the wide receivers. Um, and it worked. I, I think it maybe have taken Nebraska back a little bit. And Ohio State really struggled with that challenge in adapting to the two quarterbacks. I thought at times it looked gimmicky. I thought at times it was successful. You know, there were times it was almost playground football where it looked like Adrian and Luke were going, no, no, you go here. Hey, I'm open. I'm open. Throw me the football. Um, You want to win football games. You want to be successful. You want to score points. If that's the way to get there, fine. Let's find a way to keep adapting and changing week to week because now teams have film on it. But, guys, if we're to the middle of this COVID season and that's still the main weapon for his offense, where did Diedrich Mills go? Where did the wide receivers go? I mean, that's what I'm concerned about. But it did show you with, with the passing is that it is a controlled passing game. But it also leads me to this. With the wide receivers, and I know you, both of you guys have talked about it, and Nebraska was limited by personnel, by knuckleheads that you know, didn't do the right thing to get on the field for the game one, is the offensive line is going to protect that quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity to stretch the field and throw the ball downfield if you find the right one or two guys, is there. But when will that come? And in the meantime, I guess they will continue to go with the two-quarterback system. Hey, if I'm Luke McCaffrey, I love this. I get everything, man. My Q rating, Casey Rogers and Luke McCaffrey's Q rating this week went sky high. But McCaffrey gets to do the Eric Crouch of 1999. He gets to run the ball, (laughs) catch the ball, and throw the ball. We'd all like that, wouldn't we? Yeah, put him on punt return and kick return, too. Why not? You know, like... (laughs) Yeah, seriously, it's it's a it's a great analogy. It's exactly how it's unfolding. Uh, how about Nebraska too? I think we're seeing the offense evolve before our eyes here. They they went under center. I, it was that wasn't just one or two plays. I mean, that was a good handful of plays that they went under center. Um, that I formation returned against Ohio State just Power like ball. it did last yeah. year with Mills as the up back. Um, I you know do do you think this is something that Considering what Nebraska's been recruiting, Scott Frost has been unapologetic about it, where he's just like, we got to get size, we got to get better in the trenches. Well, they kind of have that now. And then all of a sudden, his spread, shotgun, hurry-up offense is going under center in the I formation. Do you think that's here to stay? I think so. You know why, Mark? I think it's Matt Lubick. I also think Nebraska had a lot of time to self-scout and – they had a really, really good game plan. I mean, if you are into football porn, um, you are in overload after watching that game. <laughs> the different ways Nebraska Nebraska used formations and the different ways they had their linemen pulled. Um, I think Matt Lubick's, uh, you know, his voice in the ear of Scott Frost and both of those offensive minds getting together, I think that's why you saw a little different formations. And, and, and you know what? Ohio State, Ryan Day kind of alluded to it. You had to listen closely. I think he was really impressed by the way Nebraska schemed up things on offense. Again, it goes back to execution because there were times Nebraska had a chance to make a big play, but it was just a wrong read. You know, if you look at Martinez's fumble, if he doesn't try and bounce outside and instead cuts it up to his left, I mean, he might be hitting his head on the goalpost. No, you nailed it. I mean, the the that series where, and I thought Adrian ran really well. I thought he ran free. But that series where the the scoop and score happened, yeah. Instead of kind of running into into traffic, he tried to bounce outside, and that man that that was just a killer uh, because of of you're trying to answer this onslaught of scoring. But between the ears, Sharpie with Nebraska, do you worry about composure? Because I mean, Nebraska's tied. Four minutes left get to halftime, Ohio State gets the football, 
Nebraska wasn't helped at all by a couple of questionable calls, but you still didn't stop the bleeding, even though you got a, a field goal instead of a seven, the D held up. Do you think Nebraska's going to be able to, to, to be better and learn from that end of half situation with Ohio State moving forward, or do you think it's something that still may linger as far as the, the, the finishing part of it where, all right, the, the roof doesn't cave in? Well, I, I think what I saw, and that's, that goes back to what we were first talking about, about you lose by five touchdowns, right. and you still kind of are like, okay, I didn't see the complete meltdown of Nebraska, where guys all of a sudden the shoulders dropped and you felt, sure. uh-oh, here we go. But let me ask both of you, and, and, and Mark first, at, at taking part of your question, Schmitty, Crane, what happens with Nebraska in the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half? It's not just a game one of the 2020 season in Columbus. This is a continual problem. And essentially, guys, that game was over in the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half. You got outscored 17 nothing, and you were done after that. It's weird. It is, it's, and it does. It comes out of nowhere because up until that point, you're like, this team can hang. But Ohio State does not have as decisive of, a, of an edge as they've shown in the past. And then, it, I mean, it just falls apart. But it seems so been going on 10 years. Yeah, but it seems so fixable. Because when you boil it down, when you really boil it down, football comes down to basically physicality and execution, right? Of course, talent is sprinkled in there on on both sides of it. But physicality, physically, Nebraska's good. I I, I feel okay about where they're at. They're not great, but they're good. Execution? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, Saturday was a win for Zach Duvall and his staff. Mm. Completely agree. No question. No yeah. question. They look, and I, there's been something that the players have been saying too since um, um, in the off season, talking specifically about conditioning. So not just strength, but actual conditioning and stamina. I saw that too. I thought Nebraska hit consistently the entire game. They just they never looked yep. tired. And if you execute, that sets you up for a good fourth quarter. But they they fumble, and they commit a lot of penalties. Got an update here on Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez just on game day. Uh, Bucky up to 22 positive COVID tests. 10 staff, Uh, 12 players. So they uh, uh, pulled the plug early. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think the Purdue game might be in trouble. Yeah. For them. I think you're right. I, I absolutely think you're right with that. And um, Sharpie, look at the West now. Let, let's go through the West real quick. Yeah, Iowa could be 0-2, okay? After today, we'll see. Wisconsin could lose a second game. Minnesota is 0-2. And then you have Nebraska, and then you have Northwestern. If if I if, if if Northwestern starts out two and zero, you have Minnesota where they're at. You have Wisconsin uh, in in a in an influx state, and then there's Nebraska. Next weekend's big, but it could be a lot bigger. Well, can can we start with Minnesota last night, please? Uh, I I did not get in the boat and start rowing in 2020 because they lost five of their six top tacklers. And all of a sudden, the defensive guys are PJ Flex recruits. Remember two years ago, their defense was awful. And they fired their defensive coordinator late in the year. 
Now, they were much better last year on defense. They won a lot of close games. They're not winning. They did not win a close game last night. They did not do the things to make sure that once they got ahead, Maryland couldn't get back into that game. I was not in on Minnesota. They're 0-2. They can't play defense. They gave up nine yards per carry to Michigan, and then they gave up 45 to Maryland last night. How good is Northwestern, guys? Is Northwestern better than Alabama? Because Northwestern <laughs> crushed Maryland. They crushed Maryland. Maryland was brutal last Saturday night. And all of a sudden, Maryland beats Minnesota. Now, I say that. I think Northwestern, by the way, is much improved. That game will be, that game will be a knock-em-out, uh, you know, drag-em-out game today in Iowa City. Um, Purdue is someone to watch, but who knows what's going on in Purdue with Rondell Moore. But you know what? They made winning plays against uh, Iowa last week. I still believe in Iowa. That's a crucial game. I mean, is Pat Fitzgerald going to be 2-0? and Is Kirk Ferentz going to be 0-2? Um, you mentioned Wisconsin. They may miss a couple of games. You know, Nebraska, if you look at it, if, if they make the strides that we think they're going to make, they could be in a nice spot. But they've got to go on the road next week and win, regardless if Northwestern wins today or loses today. Also, you've got Penn State that is now down their two top running backs. You know, things might be falling in line for Nebraska that if they can put something together, you know, December could be kind of interesting. But the West now is just jumbled. It is turned upside down um, because I don't think anybody expected Minnesota to be 0-2 and essentially lose the way they lost last night. I think there's some concern for this year in Minnesota, uh, especially with that defense. But you know what? This is a crazy year. We expect crazy football. The only thing we're going to get for certain is on the other side, it's going to be uh, Ohio State 1, Indiana 2, probably Rutgers 3. <laughs> sure. We'll take that. We'll take that to, to, oh, by the, to, way, to the boats. Michigan is much improved. Michigan's fun. I mean, they, they got a quarterback oh, yeah. finally. Sharpie, what are you doing today before we say goodbye? Um, you know what? I just got handed a honeydew list, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. That, that honeydew list says get ribs, start smoker, <laughs> turn football on. Hey, how many, how many dads and even moms? I'm not going to include moms are disappointed that the game Saturday today got canceled because now they're going to have to partake in Halloween. I, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of big. Hey, the game, the game starts at 2.30. It's not going to get over till about 6, and then I've got to unwind, and by then trick-or-treating is over. You just take the kids or answer the door. Now you're stuck. You have no excuse. Yeah, time to get the wagon. <laughs> yeah, get the wagon. Wheel it around if the anybody, neighborhood. If anybody wants to come to my house, I will be, uh, you know, in pandemic Halloween. It'll be nice and safe. Uh, as I do always, I have a bowl for, full of condiments that I've collected throughout the year to hand out instead oh, of candy. So we're talking like mayo and, and, and mustard and ketchup? Yes, and Taco like the fancy, ketchup, the fancy ketchup pocket, uh, packets, too. Ooh, that's yeah. nice. Fancy ketchup. Damon, our producer, has just got a bowl full of uh, Marlboro 100s. Oh, well, I, mean, I mean, yeah. when, 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 yeah, when I think of Damon, I think of uh, a bowl for a uh, bowl full of grits uh, you put between your lips and uh, on the other side, some uh, candy corn. Perfect. <laughs> Instead of the peanuts, I get you. Damn millennials. <laughs> Sharpie, be good, man. Thanks for jumping on today. Good to chat with you. Thanks, guys. Let's talk next week uh, ahead of Northwestern, which will be a, maybe a must win for Nebraska. That'll be awesome. Take care, bud. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Gary, Gary Sharp with us. Yeah. No, avocado toast. You I think that's what millennials are going to start handing out? I, you know what? I'd, I'd get in line for it. I love that stuff, actually.
I, it's great, actually. Yeah, I, it, I don't hate it either. It's awesome. I just don't know if that's the best Halloween treat. They're they're right. Yeah. <laughs> the avocado toast is wonderful. So are you uh, yeah. taking the the youngins around, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I'm on duty. Yep. Um, so that'll be good. I mean, it, at least it's not going to be brutally cold. No, I'm. It'll just be somewhat chilly. Gonna that's go okay. lose. I'm gonna go lose some golf balls here. And then uh, Monkey's got basketball tonight, so he's got game at five and six. So nice. Yeah. Think there'll be any dunks in that game? Uh, only if he's defending somebody. Okay. Okay. Good. So good. That's it. Well, listen, we were supposed to be in the rail yard two and a half hour pregame, mm-hmm. uh, real red reaction afterwards. Till we meet again is what I'm saying. And uh, we'll be ready with you next weekend for the uh, Northwestern Nebraska preview. Get the podcast, and uh, what a what an awesome setup Herd at Media's got uh, with all the podcast options they have. And uh, Hail Varsity, uh, Monday through Friday, and of course the weekend edition. Get it on iTunes, subscribe, and give us a review. Uh, Spotify is also the platform you can find us. Google Play, wherever you go. Vogel's got an awesome podcast, Greg Smith, and... Jay Foreman, kill it. They do an awesome job. Of course, uh, uh, Jacob Padilla is uh, great with his high school uh, podcast. Aaron Sorensen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Chick and Nick, uh, Nick Baugh, just a phenomenal setup with uh, the Herd at Media. And uh, you want interviews and you want on-demand ESPN Lincoln is uh, where you stream us. And uh, you go find your interviews as well with uh, Greg Ethan Hooks and, of course, Hale Varsity. Uh, Cranach, have a good weekend. Have a great time with the kids, man. And uh, enjoy Halloween. And uh, don't don't raid their candy bag too much, all right? Godspeed, sir. I can't can make no such promises. And a, a sad note about Sean Connery passing away. That's come across yeah. this morning. I know. Your mother, Trebek. Uh, yeah. So good. 90 years old, by the way. I didn't realize he was 90. No, he, yeah, but he's he probably still could have kicked our butts, man. You know, like gym teacher totally. strength. Oh, yeah. 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 And the voice. Really good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll uh, get you to some, some college game day. Talk to you Monday, Nebraska Northwestern Week with Hale Varsity. Take care.